The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to fapc.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, starting at verse 19. When it was evening that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said, said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Don't doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And through believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This passage begins without Thomas. The disciples are hiding. They are behind closed doors. The doors are locked and they are scared. We just read that they feared the Jewish leaders who arrested Jesus. The fear wasn't so much with Jewish people. Many of them were Jewish themselves. Their fears were with the authorities. And yet even with the doors locked, somehow Jesus is in the room with them. We've read this passage many times, so it doesn't come off as a shock to us. But I need you to imagine what it's like to be in that room. You are in a locked room. You saw Jesus killed two days before. You believe he is dead. And all of the sudden, he is in the same room with you? I would have been freaking out, and they probably were too. So Jesus says to them, peace be with you. He comes to them in peace. He gives them comfort and a place to breathe. He shows them his hands and the marks where the nails were and a side where he was pierced. 
He meets them where they are at and again says, peace be with you. Then the disciples begin to rejoice. Their leader was risen from the dead. He breathes into them the Holy Spirit so they can go out and share the good news with others. And there's a lot more in that section. But I only have time for one sermon, and we will talk about the Holy Spirit more on Pentecost. So let's move on to Thomas. Thomas was not there when Jesus first arrived to the disciples. Whenever we see the disciples in the Bible, we must not assume that it means just the 12 disciples. Jesus had many followers and disciples, including women. When it's the 12, it usually clarifies that it's the 12. So here, the ones that did see Jesus tell Thomas, this is what we've seen. But Thomas says, I don't believe this. I can't believe this. Unless I see the marks of the nails myself, unless I can put my finger in his side, I will not believe. And I understand his skepticism. It's hard to believe in a rumor unless you see it for yourself. And Thomas isn't alone in this. In the other gospels, many of the other disciples don't believe either. Thomas is not the only one. And a week later, Thomas is with the disciples and again the door shut and sneaky Jesus comes in again. At this point, I'm wondering how much fun Jesus is having showing up through closed doors. And I mean, he could have easily knocked, but this is maybe a lot more fun and maybe more convincing. So again, imagine the shock, especially for Thomas, who did not believe earlier. He sees Jesus standing in front of him and Jesus graciously says to him, peace be with you. Thomas is probably confused. He didn't believe and he may be wondering, am I in trouble? Did I royally screw up? And Jesus gently says, peace be with you. I know you said you wouldn't believe until you put your finger in the marks of my hand and your hands in my side. So here, go ahead. It may be a little gross, but go ahead and do it. Here are my hands. Don't doubt, but belief. And here's where we get the narrative of Thomas so wrong. We shame him for doubting, perhaps because we want to shame ourselves for when we doubt. Yet Jesus does not shame Thomas. Many read this passage and think Jesus is wagging his finger at Thomas. Don't doubt, but belief. But Jesus is actually giving Thomas a gift. Jesus is literally giving Thomas what he asked for. Jesus meets Thomas exactly where he's at. And Thomas said, I need to see you. I need to touch you. And Jesus says, okay, look at my hands then. Touch and see. Jesus gives Thomas this gift. And then Thomas makes a proclamation. He says, my Lord and my God. Thomas is the one in the gospel to call Jesus God. Now, many Bible scholars believe that chapter 20 is actually the end of the book of John, and that chapter 21 was added many years and additions later. I happen to agree. If this is true, compare and contrast the beginning of the book of John with here at the end. In John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the word was God. And here at the end of the book of John, Thomas proclaims that the resurrected Christ is God. 
Is Thomas really doubting Thomas? This passage isn't about doubting Thomas. This passage is about the risen Christ. It is about the God, the Son, the God who was there in the beginning and came to earth to proclaim good news to the poor and the oppressed. This passage is about a Jesus who meets us right where we are at and says, look at my hands. God loves us, therefore God is with us in our doubts and points us into God's truth. Jesus says in this passage, blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. And this is not a knock on the skeptic or those who doubt. This is a bold-faced acceptance of those who do doubt and yet still strive to learn about Christ and strive to follow. Blessed are those who doubt. Many fear doubt, but doubt is a normal part of faith, an essential part of faith in my opinion. I said this in my last sermon when I preached on this passage, and I don't know if my mom remembers this, but I remember being in about elementary, maybe middle school age, and I confessed to my mom, sometimes I doubt that God even exists. And very nonchalantly, my mom says, it's okay, mijo, it happens to everyone. And I can't thank her enough for the words that she said, because the amount of torment I could have had or shame for doubting the existence of God could have been tremendous. But every time I doubted, I had those words of my mother in my head. It's okay, mijo. It helps, it happens to everyone. And too often we have seen churches and pastors shame people for doubting God or the church, as if doubting is an enemy of spiritual growth. Yet I argue that doubting can be essential to spiritual growth when in dialogue with people and with God. And the good news is that God can handle our doubts. God is a good and gracious and understanding God. And God can take our questions, our fears, our doubts, our laments. In fact, doubt is so important that we see it throughout Scripture. Psalm 13 says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And I want to believe that when we doubt, God asks us, what do you need? Do you need to see my hands? When I think about Thomas, Thomas doesn't doubt just out of logic. He's doubting through his grief. Thomas loved Jesus. Jesus was his leader, his mentor. Jesus helped Thomas reimagine life and hope give his life meaning and purpose. Not only was Jesus Thomas's leader, but Jesus also called him friend. Jesus washed his feet. And then Thomas watched him die. Can you imagine watching your mentor tortured and crucified? Overcome with grief, he doesn't believe the other disciples' experience. And I get that. In conversations with many of you, I've heard some of your doubts. Some of your doubts have come in times of grief and loss. It feels like God has left me stranded, I've heard you say. Why would God allow this to happen? She was a good person. Is God even there? All these are fair questions, especially in times of grief. And it's fair to be envious of Thomas. Thomas gets a direct answer. 
Thomas said, unless I see your hands and feet, I will not believe. And that's exactly what Thomas got. Jesus met him where he was at and literally showed him his hands and feet. So why can't we have that same experience when we're in grief and doubt? Jesus, come down. Show us your hands and your feet. We're begging for it. So when it feels like God isn't there, we depend on people to help us get through our darkest times. We depend on family and friends to have coffee with us when we lose a relationship. We depend on the shoulder of somebody, sometimes even a stranger, when the loved one passes away. And you know what I'm talking about, that embrace bear-like hug that you need when you can barely stand up. We depend on phone calls and text messages from friends checking in to make sure that we are okay. We depend on the compassionate nurse who helps make your bed comfortable when you're too weak to adjust your hospital bed. We depend on people. So I want you to take a second. Who was there for you in times of sorrow? Perhaps it was a life-changing, devastating event, or perhaps simply a time when you were just sad. Take 10 seconds and think of their name. Who was there for you? Okay, I want you to take another 30 seconds and I want you to form a sentence in your head. Say their name and what they did for you. Their name and what they did for you. For instance, April held me the night that one of my best friends died. Take 30 seconds. I'm going to apologize to the introverts. I encourage you, if you feel comfortable, to share your sentence with your neighbor. If you're watching on live stream via Facebook or YouTube, perhaps you can write the sentence in the chat or you can send us an email. So get, go ahead, take a few seconds, share the name and that sentence with your neighbor. Throughout Lent, the choir at the end of the service would sing a benediction from a Celtic prayer that says, May the Christ who walks on wounded feet walk with you on the road. May the Christ who serves with wounded hands stretch out your hands to serve. May the Christ who loves with a wounded heart open your heart to love. May you see the face of Christ in everyone you meet, and may everyone you meet see the face of Christ in you. 
The spirit of the risen Christ is with us in our doubts, in times of sorrow and pain, and God uses people, regardless of faith and background, to help us journey through life. Jesus says, you want to see my hands? Look at the people around you. They are my hands and they are my feet. So we're going to share with our neighbor one more time. You just shared with them the name of someone in the sentence. I want you to go back to them and repeat the same sentence. But this time, I want you to say Jesus' name instead. Jesus held me the night one of my best friends died. Go ahead. Take a few seconds. Friends, God loves us. Therefore, we have room to doubt because Jesus' spirit is right there with us in the thick of it. Jesus says, look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's all around you. Family and faith, may the Christ who walks on wounded feet walk with you on the road. May the Christ who serves with wounded hands stretch out your hands to serve. May the Christ who loves with a wounded heart open your heart to love. And may you see the face of Christ in everyone you meet. And may everyone you meet see the face of Christ in you. You are deeply loved. Amen.